The 2017 Australasian Simulation Congress, presented by Simulation Australasia and Simulcast. Okay, I'm here with the group that we just did our in situ simulation panel with at the Australasian Simulation Congress down here in Sydney. Uh, thank you all very much for being part of that panel. I think we had a broad range of contexts, and I'm going to start with Alison and Steph, who both come from the MARTA. Did you want to tell us a little bit about uh, what you think are the take-home messages for them, the kind of in situ sim that you do? So I think uh, one of the big things is the... Um, which kind of, I guess, is what Steph um, talks about a lot around the patients, um, particularly in our environment in neonatal intensive care, is that they actually find it really valuable and um, want us to be doing it. And for them, it's about um, being more confident in um, us as clinicians being able to respond to their baby um, within Critical care. Yeah, and I think that's very interesting because we've obviously spoken a lot about how it's great for us, we get to know the environment, we get to know our teams, but I guess what you're saying is it's also giving confidence to the people who we're trying to actually look after. So Steph, that was kind of your work. Uh, you're doing research in this area, I understand. Uh, do you think other people should be doing these sorts of surveys with their consumer groups? Yeah, I guess um, from our perspective, we can only really speak from the healthcare consumers that are based at the MARTA, um, but I think that it, it would be great to see even internationally if there's different perspectives from healthcare consumers and, and even different hospitals. So anyone's interested, sure, <laughs> get on board. <laughs> yep. And um, as a result of some of that research, what do you think are some of the ways that you see your SIM program and your pop-up SIM program going in the future? Certainly uh, listening to, to our consumers, our healthcare consumers, about what um, you know, it is that they want us, to, our health service, to train for, but finding the balance between um, the learning needs of the, health, of the health service but also the clinicians uh, and trying to marry that up with um, what our patients and visitors want. But I think getting a little bit more innovative with using patient stories and, you know, we've had patients when we're doing a sim... Um, want to vacate their bed for the deterioration, the, the deteriorating simulation to happen in their bed so they know that um, the team would be able to respond to them if it happens in the next, you know, during their admission. So, yeah. you know, patients are actually really engaged and I'd love to, to think of, you know, or to try some really innovative ways to maybe include them in either simulation or the conversation at least. Yeah, so I think this is a challenge for us as a simulation community. Uh, Cameron, I might get you to come on here now because you're an intensive care specialist and you also do this in critical care and you've really sort of seen this as a quality improvement tool. Can you tell us what do you think you're targeting where you are doing your in-situ sim? At the moment, the quality improvement process is based around uh, interdepartmental team communication. So our in-situ simulation is based inside our uh, intensive care department in uh, a small regional uh, centre called Bendigo Health. Um, but we're really more interested in how we engage uh, the first responders for the medical emergency team, how we allow them uh, to develop skill sets in a safe environment around talking with the responding team and how to deal with the first few minutes of a medical emergency and how they integrate with the working team when um, the help arrives. Mm -hmm. So one of the focus areas is not even just the environment, but you really talked about on the panel the team interfaces, just as you've said, when the help arrives. What sort of things do you think people are doing better or differently in that interface than before you started doing this? I think the panel... Um, 
overall represented the idea that there's increased numbers of relationships that occur with people uh, in these teams who are responding to relatively infrequent events in their space and they're getting a chance to see the skill sets, capabilities, mindsets, communication patterns of these teams. And so I think the feedback we get based around uh, the team performance tool that we measure with is that people are acknowledging team behaviour regardless of where it comes from and also people are getting an idea anecdotally off um, other information that we have that uh, they're really understanding their role in the, in the health service overall in that, in that particular situation. Mm, fantastic. All right, I might go to you now, Dylan. Uh, you run a big simulation service that has some statewide responsibilities, so you've thought about this in situ thing a bit differently, both in terms of empowering others around the state but also really seeing it as a quality improvement activity. Tell us about that. So we've really embraced a safety to approach to understand that um, celebrating some of the um, positives and some of the wins in healthcare is probably something we should focus on. And so for us, we highlight those uh, through some improvement cycles. And so simulations um, very much vested in a human factor systems thinking approach to understanding how problems could be solved in a new way. Um, and so from a statewide perspective, we're using simulation as an iterative design model to improve systems and safety. Mm. And I think this is really important because, uh, and Cameron mentioned this as well, talking about this safety 2.0, resilience in healthcare. We used to see simulation as a tool to educate individuals and to a lesser extent teams, and then hopefully by assumption they did a better job in the workplace. But I think the point you were really making is that's a massive leap and that really we've got to be pointing simulation quite explicitly at this complex adaptive system, to use one of your words. Yeah, yeah, it's a big word. Um, yeah, definitely. We have to uh, really focus on um, how we understand the variability um, and uh, we have to celebrate the fact that um, people are adaptive and flexible. And if it wasn't for that, um, then we'd actually see a lot more error occurring. And so um, what we can do um, is really look at how work is done and, and really observe the patient's experience, the staff's experience, the interconnections, the communication threads. Um, and only through that, designing simulation out of it will give us a really good sense of how work is actually done. Mm, and I think that's uh, another thing because I, I see a nice uh, juxtaposition between the two examples where Alison and Steph, yours is very much we have an idea about what we think but then you jump in and do the sim and make some diagnostic uh, issues there whereas Dylan you're sort of saying actually we take a bit of time because we're trying to deal with small complexity and then we do our simulation mm. after doing that. Um, maybe each of you could just give us like one example of something that has really changed you think as a result of these diagnoses. Yeah, so within um, our emergency department um, where we infrequently resuscitate babies um, but it's often um, a really difficult resuscitation um, and doesn't you know, often end terribly well, um, we, through running some simulations, identified that the equipment was not the same, that our team who were responding were not able to find equipment they weren't using what they were used to so we've actually been able to through that um, prove to people who fund um, equipment that we actually needed the appropriate resuscitation equipment for that environment and had a cozy cot installed as well as having some key neonatal resuscitation equipment embedded in that environment um, and also a designated area that 
um, a labouring mum and then a baby will go to mm-hmm. in our emergency department should they present um, and have then been able to follow that up with another simulation um, post uh-huh. implementing that to actually make sure that everyone is aware of that equipment and where it is mm-hmm. um, and the fact that it exists. Okay, so it's a nice iterative approach. You diagnose mm-hmm. the need, then you make a, pl- a change, and then you use that and embed it essentially using the sim. So I suppose, Dylan, to come the other direction, can you give us a sort of example of a sort of problem where you sort of had to spend some time thinking what's the issue and then did your sim? Uh, yeah, so we've um, spent a bit of time in hospitals looking at... Uh, and so we, we were invited by um, uh, the executive to go into the hospital and look at how they can improve patient flow, for instance. Um, and so often they have a idea of what they think it is, um, and they tell us that, you know, the people there just don't know how patients should flow through the system. Um, and we find that really interesting, and so we go and spend some time with the people actually uh, running the units, the nurse unit managers, the clinical staff, uh, the, the clerks, the ward staff, the administrators, um, the patients, and we uh, we just put some glasses on them, um, and uh, those glasses record uh, what happens in their environment, um, audio and video, um, and we facilitate uh, a kind of sense-making exercise, so trying to create a shared understanding to really understand what goes on for them. Um, and so interestingly, um, the, the example I'm thinking about for patient flow, uh, the hospital was looking at investing several hundred thousands of dollars into redesigning, reorganising, restructuring the whole department. Um, and uh, within an eight-week period, they discovered they actually didn't need to. And when I say they discovered they didn't need to, I didn't tell them anything. Mm. They told us. Yeah. Um, and we just made sure that we wrote it down. We made sure we facilitated it. And we made sure that we supported that integration and connection. Mm. A bit of sane quality improvement coming to the fore. All right, so Ben, you were um, serving as our moderator for all things Twitter and SMS. Come a little closer to the microphone there. Uh, What sort of comments and questions and thoughts do you think the audience had listening to this discussion? You know, it was really actually interesting watching the content and of those questions change over the course of the plenary. And I think at the start of the plenary, people had a lot of questions about the nuts and bolts of in-situ sim. How do you overcome uh, barriers to implementation? How do you sort of draw in reluctant learners and resistant learners? Uh, How do you handle the environment? And then over the course of the discussion, as we got to hear from all these experts, the nature of the questions changed because I think it's the, the plenary started to challenge what people's perception of InsightU Sim was. And so when we heard from Simon uh, using a simulation in his GP practice and we, when we heard from Steph about incorporating um, consumers into Sim, um, those were kind of rabbit holes that I don't think people had anticipated but they're really excited by. So people were really fascinated about involving consumers, for example, and, and just how deep down do you take that involvement? You know, how... how um, much do you involve them in simulation design? How much do you involve them in in scenario feedback and debriefing? And I think that was quite exciting for people. Um, and then finally, I think again at the end of it all, there was this acknowledgement that there's all these innovative opportunities, but that inherent sort of white whale that we're all chasing of how do we capture that data? How do we look at performance? Mm-hmm. And how do we prove that what we're doing? is worthwhile and making change. All right, Simon, you offered us a great example. Many of us in SIM do come from a hospital context, I think that's fair to say. But you, off your own bat, said, hey, there's some things I really need to improve in my GP practice, particularly around emergency preparedness, and thought you'd run some SIM in your own location. Uh, Tell us about how you went about doing that. Yes, I 
got interested in you know being able to improve our local processes and um, had started being involved with um, the FOMED through Twitter and saw what was happening in other simulation um, programs elsewhere and then uh, luckily the the NHET sim um, program was there and I was able to do some online um, sessions through that and go to some of their courses and do some sort of general reading and then thought yes I probably can do this and started offering it uh, locally. I think it's only once you actually start to get into it that you actually what initially seems like a simple technique has <laughs> amazing levels of uh, granularity depending on how far you want to dig down. Yes and so you gave some examples of things like uh, an opiate overdose and other emergencies that either you'd had to happen in your practice or that you anticipate you might and one of the features was you used some very simple techniques and uh, as we talked about very ultra low fidelity photographs and things so these uh, I guess you had to really distill out what needs to be the same as real and what needs to be a photograph. That's right and I think also in terms of resources what's available because there's no you know most general practices in Australia um, are private practices so you know what's appropriate and possible that people are actually going to buy Um, so you know high-end equipment is also not used during the day so you know simple equipment that replicates simple emergencies you know we're not generally going to need an intubatable mannequin or those sort of things so a simple CPR mannequin where we can practice compressions we can put pads on we can do some bag mask um, or even just sort of uh, face mask ventilation are all sort of simple tech that's very approachable and low price. Fantastic. All right, well, Simulcast and Australasian Simulation Congress listeners, uh, we'll add some links in for some of the projects that our panel members are working on, and we'll look forward to hearing more from them uh, over the months and years to come. <laughs>